You've tuned into The Dr. Lowe Show with naturopathic doctor, Dr. Lauren Noel, where you hear the best in natural medicine, nutrition, and mindset from the world's top doctors, authors, influencers, and Dr. Lowe herself. Trying just to pop a pill for a symptom? You've got the wrong exit. Seeking doable ways to live a happier, healthier life and have fun doing it? Welcome to The Dr. Lowe Show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dr. Lowe Show. I am Dr. Lauren Noel, aka Dr. Lowe. Thanks for joining me for another awesome episode. This show is one that I am so excited to to release. I am so excited for the people that this is going to reach, for those who have been suffering in silence, those who have been feeling shame about dealing with bipolar disorder, and, and those who maybe want to know more about this, this topic for friends or family that they know who have dealt with this condition. I'm so grateful for my guest. She's someone who has dealt with this topic personally, and I just have so much respect for her for having the courage to put out a book, sharing her own personal stuff, and being someone who has overcome so many of these challenges to put her solutions into a book for other people to, you know, get her knowledge. And so it's just incredible. And, and, you know, this guest has provided a lot of, um, courage for me to be open and honest about my own personal mental health journey and, and my struggles that I've dealt with. And, we both get very real in the show and, and I, I get quite real. <laughs> I actually cry at one point in the episode. So, um, so I, I have to have some courage to release this episode because as a doctor, there can be a lot of pressure to kind of have it all together. But I think the biggest thing that I've taken away from anything that's to do with mental health is to get the shame, just flush the shame down the toilet and know that all of us are dealing with some sort of challenge or struggle. And a lot more people deal with this this disorder and a lot of other mental health disorders than what we realize. So anyway, I just want to say, if you're listening to this as something you dealt with personally, I want to give you a big old hug and just know that you're not alone and there are people who can help. There are solutions and you're definitely not, you know, you don't need to deal with this by yourself. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to say that. And, and also just for current, current events with the coronavirus, um, it's, this is a challenging time and and this is definitely a stress that's I'm sure brought up a lot of mental health issues for a lot of people that didn't know that they had mental health issues, but you know, this, this is a big stress happening. So I just want to say to all of you that are being affected by this, where it's affected your income, that I love you. I feel for you. I, I just, I want to send you strength and love and, and that we will rise above this. We will overcome and we just get to do it together. And I was saying to a patient earlier today on an appointment that, my gosh, I'm so happy that people are now taking better care of the elderly. You know, it's just another little silver lining out of this happening is that we're all really rallying to take care of of our elders. So I I think that's a really beautiful, um, you know, side effect of this happening. So anyway, on the topic of coronavirus and immune health, I wanted to share a couple of things that I think could be helpful for you guys to start incorporating if you're not already we've talked on the show before how gut health is, it is your immunity. 80 to 90% of your digestive system controls your immune function. I mean, it's your immune system is located in your gut. So there's no better time to take care of your digestive system, to make sure you're taking care of your gut health. 
probiotic, if you're not taking one, I would highly recommend right now to do. Um, you know, I've, I've already talked about Organifi on the show. I, I love Organifi. It's a fantastic company, very high level of integrity. And, and I love that they're so generous to people who need help. Um, they're highly involved with charity. So, but beside like the humanitarian part of what they do, their, their products are incredible and their probiotic would be at the top of my list of recommendations right now. So what I love about their probiotic, especially is that it's very potent. It has 50 billion microorganisms in it. So think of like 50 servings of yogurt with one, um, one dose of their probiotic. So it's very, very immune boosting. Um, and also too, just aside from regular immune function, there's benefits for autoimmunity as well by taking a good probiotic. So, so their product is called biotic balance probiotic. You can get that over at Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. My listeners get 20% off all their products, so including this one. And if you enter Dr. Low 20 at checkout, D-R-L-O-2-0, you get 20% off of that. So hop on it before it runs out. I know that they've been running out of a lot of their supplements as people are trying to get more immune boosting. Also too, if you're not doing a green drink, this is also a really good time to start. So they're Organifi green juice. I do it every day. I'm obsessed. Um, there's 11 superfoods that are included, including Moringa. So Moringa is a superfood that also has some potent immune boosting effects as well as turmeric. So we know turmeric is also quite antiviral. So same thing for the green juice and the um, probiotic. You get those at Organifi.com and enter Dr. Low 20 at checkout. All right, you guys, without further ado, let's jump into the episode. We're talking about Beyond the Bipolar Label, and this is highlighted from my guest book, Beyond the Label. I had originally planned on talking about depression, anxiety, a bunch of different mental health things, but we went down the rabbit hole of, of bipolar so much, and, and I've done, I've been doing this show for you know 10 years, almost 10 years now, and we've never done a show dedicated to bipolar, so I felt like that was very important that we do that. So I hope you enjoy it. If this has impacted you, if you... Um, you know, have any thoughts, I would love to have you guys just shoot me a message over on my Instagram, Dr. Lowe, Dr. Underscore L O. And, um, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. And of course I'd always welcome any reviews. Um, if you're loving the show, please leave me a five-star review and a comment. I'd appreciate it. All right, you guys, I love you so much. Enjoy the episode. Hi guys. I'm excited to do this interview. Yeah, I'm beyond excited. I've been waiting for several weeks to do this and forgive my voice. I have a little bit of laryngitis going on, but we're going to get through it and I'm going to be talking less than my guest. So I think um, it should work out just fine. So we have Dr. Chris Bjorndahl on the show and she's a naturopathic doctor um, with a focus on mental health. So she's considered an authority in the treatment of mental illness, such as depression, anxiety, bipolar disorders, and eating disorders, using a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual approach. Having overcome many mental health challenges herself, Dr. Chris is a gifted speaker and writer. Her wellness philosophy with audiences from platforms such as the Jenny McCarthy Show, the International Bipolar Foundation, and many health summits and docuseries. He's recognized as a top ND to follow by two independent organizations and her book, Beyond the Label, is a comprehensive guide to naturopathic mental health. And I just have to say beyond the label, like 
oh my gosh, such a good title <laughs> for this book. And I, I have been able to read through it and get, you know, really into the meat of what you've written about. And it's just incredible. So Dr. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've wanted to do a show on bipolar because I'll be, I'll be talking mostly on bipolar. We'll touch maybe a little bit on depression, and anxiety, but I really wanted to shed light on this condition that I don't feel like there's a lot of really good resources out there. Your book is so different from anything I've come across. Um, so I knew I had to have you on and, and you know, it's been a, like I was telling you in the, before we got on the call, I've been doing this show. This is my 10th year now and we've never done a show on bipolar disorder. So I'm really excited, but you write a, a lot in your book about your personal story with this. So can you give us just like a quick little background? I know it's a long, it's a long, yeah. story. I really <laughs> want you guys to read it, but you can give just a little bit of your personal story. Yeah. Yeah. So it's always hard to answer that question, sort of when do things start, right? <laughs> right. So, and I do open the book with a discussion about how the mental emotional imprinting that can start when you're in utero. And so I'm, I'm adopted. So I truly believe that, you know, there was some stresses that were being transmitted to me in utero at that time. Yeah. And that can set people up for some mental health challenges. Um, moving forward in their lives. But for the most part, for me, um, I ended up um, developing an eating disorder in high school. But it, just an interesting side note around that is in the year prior, I did antibiotics for several months to treat acne. Mm. And we know now that there's a relationship between the gut and the brain and the microbiome back in the 1980s, this conversation was not happening. So there was, you know, nobody knew about that relationship. So I'm just mentioning that now just for people to understand that it's, it's really important to take a really thorough history yeah. and to understand that there's connections between the things that we do. Doesn't mean that you can't change it, but it, it can be, there can be a causal relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. And so then but the eating disorder continued, and then I uh, found myself uh, in third year university uh, in a place that I'd never been before, which was depressed and paralyzed by anxiety. And I ended up being prescribed an antidepressant. I took that, and then three months later, I found myself in another place that I'd never been before, yeah. which was um, it, having very little sleep, rapid speech, quite euphoric, um, and then spinning completely out of control into a delusional psychotic manic episode where it took six people to wrestle me into a straitjacket and off I went to the hospital where I was left in a rubber room um, injected with Halperidol, a powerful antipsychotic, mm -hmm. to come back to reality. And when I came back, I was given the diagnosis of bipolar disorder type 1. Mm -hmm. And essentially what I did with that was basically put it in a corner where I never wanted to look and I didn't want anybody to know. Right. And I, I felt a lot of stigma and a lot of shame around yeah. that particular label. And you know what? That wasn't happening to me. Thank you very much. So I kind of continued marching in the world. I was an overachiever, which was um, sort of the way I operated to, con to compensate for my lack, my, my limiting beliefs, which stemmed around being adopted, where I felt like I wasn't wanted, wasn't good enough. So I, I overachieved in the world. And so I was always wearing this mask that everything's okay on the outside, but I'm actually not doing that well on the inside. But I really just I didn't want anybody to know. And uh, so I really struggled. And the next decade basically was a pretty much a decade of depression and anxiety. And then I had a suicide attempt 
which left me in a coma with kidney failure. And I was on dialysis for some time and was told I would need a kidney transplant. And so that really was the turning point for me because when I, um, when I came out of that coma, I can tell you, I certainly wasn't impressed that I was still here. And I realized that I needed to figure out another way to navigate this journey that I was on with my mental health. And my friend had given me a book to read by Marianne Williamson. Mm -hmm. And there was a quote in her book about surrender, which goes along these lines that surrender is not about breaking out of anything. It's a gentle melting into who we really are. Mm -hmm. So we let down our armor and we realize that all God needs is just one sincere surrendered moment mm -hmm. where love matters more than anything and nothing else really matters at all. Yeah. And what was key for me in that quote was that word love. Like I did not love myself. I hated this diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And so that's really been the journey that I've been on for the last 33 years is really just learning how to turn to love and grace and compassion for myself and for others and to actually move past these labels that I've been given to this place of, of wellness. And um, yeah, so that's, that's the journey in a nutshell for you. Do you see this as a gift or do you see it as like a disease that has to be managed? I'm just curious your view. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of see it as a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if I hadn't experienced the depths that I've experienced, the darkness, uh, I wouldn't be as um, moved to turn to the light as, you know, as I, if I hadn't otherwise had these experiences. Yeah. Um, but I also feel that, and that's the key question. You know, I get this question asked all the time. Are you cured? Right. Right. And I know I, I, I watched this documentary a while ago. It was called, well, this is like quite, quite an old documentary, but I think you can find it on YouTube. It's called the masks of madness. Mm. And Dr. Hyla Cass in that documentary says that if you have schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, you are never cured. You will always have the propensity to be unwell. Mm. And I, I don't know why I, I just, I, that. That quote, like her saying that really struck a chord with me. And I really feel like, really? Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I feel like perhaps the propensity is maybe there and, and it can be managed. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, I haven't had a psychotic. My last psychotic episode was 2008. So it's been 12 years now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even my husband, he turns to me, he's like, you've been well for so long. Like, is this gone? You know? Right, right, right. So I don't know, I guess we just need to live in the present and, you know, take it day by day. And I feel like I have a lot of tools and strategies and skills now to to really, to in essence, manage it. But I, I don't know if I was to let go of those, would I would I fall into the trap of being unwell again? I don't know. Right. right. Yeah. And you you going through this personally, as you know, as yourself, like you're able to understand it for your patients, you know, and your clients yeah. and, and yeah. your readers. So it gives you so much more credibility. Um, because I know, you know, people who have mental health diagnoses, they're like, you know what, if you don't got it, you don't know what you're talking about. Like yeah. walk a mile in my shoes. Why don't you? Right. Mm -hmm. So you actually walking many miles in those shoes around the block doing marathons. They're like, <laughs> okay, he knows what she's talking about. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can listen to her. Yeah. So you say in your book, you say, my hope is that you move through the stigma and shame of mental illness and find peace in mental wellness. I mm. love that. It's really mm. powerful. So that's my hope for all of you guys listening. So what do you, how, like, what's your definition of like, what is bipolar disorder? And like, when is it diagnosed typically? Mm-hmm. It's so interesting, you know, because when I was diagnosed in the 1980s, the, there really was just the, the bipolar disorder type one. There was no type two mm. at that time. Now there is. So I just find, like, I feel like, again, you know, are we over labeling people? Right. So that, you know, th- so that we can then match them up with a prescription and then put them on a drug for the rest of their life. Like, uh, you know, and I, I don't want to be clear here. I'm not against pharmaceuticals. I'm, right. I'm not anti-medicine, but I'm minimum dose for maximum benefit for perhaps, the, you know, for the shortest duration of time. And in some cases you may, you know, you may need medication to manage this. Um, but you don't, I just find, you know, at one point I was taking five psych- psychotropic meds. So anyways, to answer the question, essentially bipolar disorder type one is where you experience depression, like major depressive disorder, and you can then swing into what's called uh, mania or psychosis. Um, and that's basically a delusional state where you are, um, you, you know, you can be hallucinating, you can be, um, it's kind of, the, there's, there's a whole constellation of symptoms, but essentially it, it spirals, it spirals out of control and, and is, lead, is led up or is preceded by many nights of not sleeping. Right. So that's one of the keys to managing this is, mm-hmm. is managing sleep and managing stress. And then bipolar type two is they experience the depressions, but they don't go into a full blown manic psychotic state. They just, it's a more of a hype. It's called hypomania. So you're perhaps a little bit more enthusiastic, a bit more excited, a bit, you know, you might be sleeping less. You might be more effervescent, more uh, energetic than sort of a normal state. Um, but really I just find that, that, you know, I want people to understand that the full range of human experience is essentially bipolar disorder. Right. (laughs) So we can, like our society doesn't do well with the fringes, right? So we don't do well when people are down in the depths of, of suicidal states and we don't do well when people are psychotic. Yeah. And, and I, having been in both of those states, I can tell you, it's not fun to be there. I get it. But to say you're not normal, when perhaps you just are experiencing, again, a fuller range of human experience, you might be able to uh, vibrate or energetically on a, on a higher level or a higher plane than others, doesn't necessarily mean that you are abnormal. Yeah. But again, it does need to be managed and it's not always comfortable obviously to be existing in those states right absolutely I love that and um, I haven't shared this on the podcast before but I was talking to you prior to us recording but when Zion my 10 month old um, was two months old I had a psychotic break Um, it was it was um, actually diagnosed as bipolar type one and never said that before in the show so it feels good Mm -hmm. just to say it but Mm -hmm. um and and I can see for my and I don't know like I was talking to you before I I don't know if that's accurate because there was a lot of things that were happening it was a postpartum type of state there are other factors I hadn't slept for many nights but you know Mm -hmm. it is possible that it was accurate but what I can say is I have seen like patterns throughout my life that make me wonder um 
And, you know, there'd be times where I would just be real low and then the whole house would just be crap. Like, you know, no organization, nothing was clean. I mean, to where I just would kind of need to like lock myself in the house for like a day or two and just get out of my funk. Mm. But there's been times I'm like, I don't know if it's PMDD or a menstrual thing. So can we talk about the connection actually while we're on that, like hormones and mental health? You know, mm-hmm. could, could it be, do a lot of women who get diagnosed with bipolar truly have like PMDD? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just want to thank you for sharing that. Cause I, I know, I really do know how hard it is to, to, to say that, that I was diagnosed with this. Yeah. Uh, it's takes a lot of courage. And um, honestly, I didn't, it, I didn't, I mean, I just came out with this book, you know, in, in recent years here and um, I was, Anyway, so I just, I won't go off on that well, tangent, but well, just thank and, you for sharing that. And, and I'll, before we jump into the hormone piece, thank you, because as you were speaking prior to me to interjecting, you were talking about just experiencing the wide range, range of emotions. And like, I could totally tear up because that's true. You know, you talk in your book about always being a sensitive child. Mm-hmm. I was the same, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I do feel the, the range, the highs, where I feel the highest of highs and then the lows, where I just feel, I remember at seven years old, um, <clears throat> I remember one day, oh gosh, <clears throat> I remember one day in the shower, I had the thought that I felt like the whole world was on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. I mean, what seven-year-old feels like that, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, so yeah I, I do see it as a gift though, because I really feel like I can feel what my patients are dealing with. I can feel things that people feel and what a gift is that, you know, but it's, yeah. it's a challenge being in the world. It is. With that. It is. Yeah. 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 So thank you for acknowledging that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, yeah. Yeah. I think um, I just, I just want people to understand that um, when we're looking at this and if you've, you know, if you know somebody or you yourself have been given this diagnosis that, First and foremost, you want to understand that there's sort of four aspects to you as a person. So there's the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And our Western system is focused on the physical primarily. And I think if that's all you're going to look at, then you're going to miss 75% of the puzzle here because the mental, emotional, and spiritual pieces are extremely important. And that's what is, that's what makes us up as human beings. Yeah. And, you know, when you were just saying that when you were seven, you, you know, you had this a thought Right. So that's key word there was that it's a thought. Yeah. And, and, and managing our thoughts is a big piece of this when you have this condition. But on that physical level, to speak to your question about hormones, what we want to understand is there's three macro systems within us. So we have our neurotransmitters, we have our hormones, and then we have our organs of detoxification and our immune system. And imbalances from a mental health perspective, like symptoms of anxiety, depression, insomnia, uh, irritable irritability, those can lie in any one of those three macro systems. And Mm -hmm. so in my case, it was all three systems that needed support. And in your case, it's very common for postpartum psychosis to happen as a one-off episode where that's why I don't actually Again, I don't know, you know, I, I have, I've, we've just chatted briefly. And so I'm yeah. not, you know, I'm not going to say that, you know, you have this or you don't have this, but I would just, again, I would encourage you to move beyond that label. Exactly. And, yeah. And just understand that, you know, if you, you know, I had a psychotic episode when my son was three months old um, and, mm. you know, the lack of sleep and the change in hormones and the stress of being yeah. a new mom, right. that's, that's enough to 
that that is enough to um, send you know somebody sort of off off the deep end, right? Bipolar or not, yeah, yeah, it's possible, yeah, yeah. You, you know, and <clears throat> and it, that again, that maybe that propensity is there, but it's the perfect storm, and so yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen again. But you want to take measures and and um, you know take steps to manage that if if you have a, a second child, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, And so let's, let's talk about like the difference between the conventional medical model of treating bipolar disorder and how the naturopathic model, specifically how you, the tools that you use. Yeah. Compare the two. Yeah. So the, well, the conventional model is primarily uh, pharmaceutical based with some perhaps psychotherapy. If so, the psychiatrist is going to be managing the patient and prescribing medications and the and and hopefully working with a psychologist or, or or a psychotherapist to handle the thoughts piece, but that doesn't always come. So it's um, I I know for myself I it it was a real struggle to it was I was mostly just managed by psychi- by a psychiatrist with medication only. Right. Um, anyway, and so that's that that model, and then the naturopathic approach is, in my mind, is looking at all the 10 steps that I talk about in the book. So it's about looking at the diet, looking at managing sleep and make the exercise piece. So these, those three things, diet, sleep and exercise are really important. And a lot of people don't understand that you can't make serotonin on your own. So serotonin is a main neurotransmitter, often involved with depression and anxiety. And you can't make that on your own. You have it's derived from an essential amino acid, which is which is called tryptophan. And the interesting thing for me was when I was in second year nutrition at, at naturopathic school, we had to analyze our diets, and the only essential amino acid I was deficient in was tryptophan. Hmm. I was really, my, my, I was shocked. I was like, I thought, you know, I thought to myself, not one doctor in the fifteen years prior, or or more, more than fifteen years prior had asked me what I was eating. Isn't that crazy? Right? And I had a lot of nutritional <clears throat> cracks in, in, in my foundation because yeah. of the eating disorder. And, and so that to me, so that's where I always like to, to start with the nutrition piece with patients. And I focus on introducing foods versus taking away foods. I find when we introduce the good, then that can help outcompete the bad. I mean, eventually we get to removing the bad. Um, so another little book I have is called the essential diet eating for mental health. And it's just, and it's in beyond the label as at the, at the back as the mental health diet, but basically it's just, you know, two weeks of, you know, an outline is what you should be eating for two weeks. So it's really helpful for people to have that roadmap to follow because mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, I don't know what to eat. And when you just tell them, you know, take this out, take that out, they, 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 they seem they can get overwhelmed. So it's easier just to say, here, follow this and do your best with that. Right. right? Absolutely. So, um, and so I think the, the beauty about naturopathic medicine is we really are, you know, we spend more time with people and then we're really wanting to, to get to the root of the problem by figuring out again, which of those three macro systems do we need to support? If not all of them, um, then the next areas that I have an emphasis on is helping people manage stress. I can tell you, and it sounds like in your case and in my case, every single episode I have had has been preceded by a lot of stress. 
So, and I talk about in my book, um, the doctor that I saw initially, Dr. Hoffer, he, in the, and this is going way back in the 1950s, he proposed a theory of psychosis called the adrenochrome hypothesis, which got squashed. Uh, but I still think there's some merit to it. And basically he was suggesting that in individuals who have psychotic events, they can't actually break down adrenaline properly or cortisol. So it kind of floods the system. It's kind of like if you flood a car with gas that, you know, the engine is, it's just not, the car's not going to run if the engine's flooded with gas. So it's sort of like that in the body that if the body gets flooded with cortisol and you can't break it down, that your brain kind of gets flooded and it, and that experience becomes psychosis. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting because, um, you know, I, I just know in, in my case and in the, in the patients that I work with, there's always been a major stress. So managing stress is a really big mm-hmm. part. And it's, you know, it sounds so cliche, but at the same time, and I get it, I mean, we're going to have stress in life, but it's really about how you as an organism respond to that stress. Right. Right. So and then the next areas I work on, I've had a lot of training in different psychotherapy um, techniques. So um, I help people manage their thoughts, looking at their managing their emotions, how they behave and react in the world, understand the role the environment can play. And we can kind of come back to that in a second. And then love, wrapping everything up in love and compassion at the end of the day. So those are the 10 steps that I talk about um, in the book. And, and, and I think how... I would love all naturopathic doctors to take sort of this approach when they're working with people. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I felt like it was good training in naturopathic school for a million different things, but if you're going to be treating patients with this, you want to definitely do some extra training, I would say, and read your book (laughs) Yeah, for doctors or for patients. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Sleep sleep is a big one. I, I find like I have to get sleep. Otherwise my mood is so off. So mm-hmm. I think everyone's different on how, how vital sleep is. But um, can we talk really quick about uh, genetic mutations? Like, yeah. you don't have to get super into it, but like MTHFR, COMT, CBS, like, do you find yeah. that that can be linked? So, well, so first let me, okay, so first let me back up and I'll come back to the environment piece. So I want people to understand with respect to the environment, there's three pieces. So number one, we want to understand the quality of the air, food, and water. So again, usually we think of these conditions as deficiency conditions. You're not making enough of something in the case of depression and anxiety, but perhaps you are, but there's something from the environment blocking a receptor so that the serotonin can't actually get in the cell to do its job or the hormone can't get in the cell. So think of that in cases when, or if people, you know, people who are listening, if you're somebody who seems to feel worse when you start an antidepressant, that's an indication that there may be this environmental piece of the puzzle that we have to take a look at. The second piece around the environment is, is touching on what you're talking about, which is genetics versus epigenetics. So when I was told that I had this, I said, well, why, you know, why do I have, you know, what can I do about this? Why do I have this? And the answer I got was it's genetic. There's nothing you can do. Right. And I couldn't look to the left or my right to verify the truth of that because I'm adopted. So I didn't accept it as the truth. And I feel like when you tell somebody it's genetic, then they become a victim. Then they just, right. They throw their hands up and they're like, well, there's nothing I can do then. Right. To help myself. This runs in my family. So this is my, this is my destiny. And I like the theory of epigenetics, which means basically genes load the gun, but lifestyle pulls the trigger. Yeah. So it's the something from the environment can turn a gene on or off, light it up or not. 
super interesting. And then the third concept under the environment I just like to mention is the idea of neuroplasticity. So your brain may be wired a certain way, but it's not fixed. It's not like your brain's a lump of cement. It can change and you can think, learn to think a new way. And this was super huge for me because I was a glass is half empty. I was a, I don't even have a glass and somebody stole my water kind of person, <laughs> right? Like that's how bad my thinking was. That's so good. But I was, yeah, but I was so sort of immersed in my thoughts all the time that I couldn't separate myself from them. And so a lot of the counseling that I've had and, and, and the psychotherapeutic work I've done is to really um, learn how to manage my thoughts and to you know, mindfulness and, and um, gestalt psychotherapy and different things. So, so to come back to your question about um, gene genetic mutations. And, and so I think that th those are there and they, they can play a role. I, I take more of a macro approach initially with patients and if they're not getting better or for example, I mean, a key thing is if you start them on a, a B vitamin and they can't take a B vitamin, then pretty much have a, and that gives you some insight that there might be there might they might have a snip there that right. we have to, to look at right yeah so if that that doesn't ha that happens less often um it's like it's not the norm in, mm -hmm. in my practice so so when that happens then i will suggest okay let's take a look at you know perhaps doing some genetic testing to see yeah do you you know do you have mthr or comp t or whatever you know these things are right. um but i i don't start there Mm -hmm. Super helpful. Yeah. yeah, you no matter if like with every person, you've got to have those lifestyle pieces, right? To start yeah. so the stress, the sleep, the diet, the clean water, the clean yes. air. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I'll tell you an interesting story. Just as an aside, I had a patient really struggling with depression. I'll never forget this case. He was 19, young, and he was convinced that he had an MTHFR um, SNP. And and this is back, gosh, this is quite some time, like very early on when this was just sort of getting started. And so I was, I said, okay, well, let's, you know, let's, I said, but you, I said, regardless, I still think you need to, you know, work on your thoughts, you got to work on all of these other things are still important, regardless of whether you have that, right? And he was quite resistant to listening to that. So I said, okay, well, so fine, we did the test and it was, he didn't have it. Wow. And he was devastated. He was so attached to that being the answer, you know? Yeah. It was, yeah. It was really, for me, it was just, it was just, it was just really eye opening. And, and I, I just, I, yeah, just to see that level of, of attachment and that heartbreak that, that right. was, you know, the answer. And I'm like, well, there's other explanations here. This isn't the only explanation. So I just want people to understand that if you're really attached to that, then we got to look at that. Yeah. Why are you so attached to that? Totally. Yeah. What's underneath that? And don't yeah. give too much power to gene mutations because of, like you said, epigenetics, we can, we can help to turn on and off those genes based on yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. Um, let's see what, so I, I asked a bunch of questions on my Instagram, so um, I'll probably throw a couple of those in here. I live in California. Marijuana is crazy rampant here. And, and I know it's getting to be in Canada kind of all over. So can you touch on the connection between what we know about marijuana and bipolar? Yeah. <laughs> I, um, so I don't encourage it uh, for people who have had any history of psychosis or family history. And it can also be and the, the inciting event. So you can be not have any family history, nor can you um, 
you, you yourself have experienced anything, but then you can end up having a psychotic event with marijuana. So what I like to look at is what is the reason for smoking marijuana, right? Like, so what is it doing for you or what pain is it trying? Are you trying to escape? Right. Or what, what purpose is it serving in your life? And to, to see if we can find the answers to those questions and other solutions for you other than smoking marijuana. Right. Um, so I've, I'm probably one of the only people on the planet that's never smoked marijuana. <laughs> and I, the reason I haven't is because I've had these psychotic events quite early on. And I was like, man, I don't need any help getting there myself, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I can get there myself. I don't need any help. So I've been quite nervous to explore in those avenues. Yeah. Um, so it's, I know it's really controversial. Um, yeah, I, 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 and I'm not really an expert in this, you know, to, to be speaking to it. I guess my only caveat would be, you know, actually, yeah, I mean, I, I had a patient, um, I've had, actually, actually, I've had, now that I'm thinking, I've had several patients who their, their first psychosis was marijuana induced. Interesting. Yeah. So it, yeah. it does, it, it happens. And so, I remember reading a study that those with bipolar disorder can be more addicted to it and that when they stop it, they can have a higher chance of using it again compared to the average person and, and also potentially it being linked to like a psychotic episode, like you're saying. So that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about CBD? I know CBD is a big thing on the market. Yeah. And I think, CB I think CBD is a bit different. I think yeah. it's, I think it's a bit different. I think it's the THC mm -hmm. that is the problem with, um, with the psychotic piece. So I don't feel, I feel more comfortable with CBD. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same. Um, but we, we still can't prescribe it though. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Cause you're in Canada. Yeah. One of my Instagram, um, followers, I asked any questions about bipolar and she said, yes, how can you do this without pharmacy drugs? So. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, I get asked this question all the time, do I take a medication? And the answer is I will take it when I need it. So I currently am not taking medication, but I don't think medication, um, not taking medication should necessarily be the goal, but the goal may be, like I said earlier, getting on a minimum dose for maximum benefit. Yeah. So, you know, maybe you don't need, like I actually quite like lithium. I think that lithium is a very as natural of a pharmaceutical as you can get. Mm -hmm. um, and you can, you can also, you know, there is lithium orotate, but it's not necessarily recommended um, for bipolar disorder. Um, but, you know, it's, it's something that people could look into. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it really is, um, it, it's a mineral. And so I don't, but what I was going to say is, you know, typically they suggest 1200 to 1500 milligrams, but perhaps you could manage it with 300 milligrams. Yeah. So you really have to work with a provider and work with someone and, and you have to be managing your, your stress and your sleep. Yeah. Like, you and, have and don't be. manage, I don't want anyone listening. Don't manage your own dosing. You have to work with your doctor and, you know, don't play yeah. doctor on yourself because it's a little too, and even if you, if you are a doctor, you may need that guidance, you know, cause it's just too close to home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So I think that there's ways to, to get there, although it's, um, that's, I don't want that to be the goal. The goal 
should be to be living uh, as, as balanced a life as you can with or without medication, but make, make it more that you're living a balanced life. And if you need a little bit of medication to do that, that's okay. I think that's fine. Yeah. So I'm, I feel like people are going to ask me this. So whatever, I'll just be real. So I personally am on a very low dose of Lamotrigine and I mm. actually feel really good on it. I feel like it's helped. Yeah. Um, and I take a, a supplement that we sell at my office um, called Chill Pill, and it has a little bit of lithium orotate in it. And with those two things, with exercise, with good diet, with sleep, I feel really, really balanced, you know? So yeah, uh, I don't know if I need to take Lamotrigine long-term. I would love to not be on it at some point, but I'm also not attached to getting off of it for now, you know, because it's just, it's, it's providing a benefit. Well, and you're, and you know, too, the other thing I say is you want to be stable for a year or two. Right. Right. And so you're just still, you know, in, still in the, you know, it's still somewhat, you know, you're not a year out. Right. right? Yeah. So, you know, give yourself about eight months or so. Yeah. So give yourself Mm -hmm. that time. And um, yeah. So, and like I said, I, I will, I will use something if I need to. Absolutely. So let's say someone listening, they're just kind of new to natural medicine to help manage bipolar disorder. So what are there any, any pieces of advice if they're feeling like they're starting to swing into mania or if they're starting to dip into depression, you know, let's start with the mania piece. What would Mm -hmm. you, what would you recommend generally, you know, we can't give medical advice, but what are some tools that you think can be helpful? Yeah. So the biggest thing with the mania piece is to, is, is in my mind is managing the sleep. So it would really depend on, you know, have they been sleeping or if they've been having, if they've had, you know, three hours, three nights in a row. Yeah. You know, that's not great. And so, and again, it really depends on the individual. Cause so I'd want to know, you know, where are they in their cycle? Is their hormones playing a role here? Mm -hmm. Or do I just need to knock them out with, you know, high dose of, perhaps melatonin or do I need to have them take some Ativan to kind of knock them out and sort of stop it before it escalates too high. Yeah. And, and then keeping everything calm. So no, very little stimulation. So not getting on technology, computers, not watching TV, like basically as little stimulation as possible uh, is also recommended almost like treating it as if you had a concussion. If you have a concussion, right. Mm -hmm. We want you just basically lying in a dark room right? Yeah. But it's also learning to manage, manage this thought piece. And so, you know, recognizing your thoughts and when they're taking you into dangerous territory. Um, so, and it's really learning to understand yourself because it's the first episode for me and for anyone, it most likely, you don't know that it's going to happen to you. So you have very little, you're, you're, out, you're out of control. You don't know what to do because you don't know what's happening. Right. Right. But the second time it happens, you have a little bit, you know, I mean, it's, and again, for me, I've only, I've had six episodes in 33 years. So it's Mm -hmm. not like this is happening every weekend. Right. So it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it took me a few tries to really um, learn all the pieces that I need to manage so that it doesn't happen again. Yeah. So I keep my work like I set really strict boundaries, right? I'm not yeah. on technology after six o'clock. I'm not watching, you know, having difficult conversations. I'm not getting, you know, I'm just not engaging myself in, in situations where it might 
trigger me or cause me to be stressed out in any way to cause my mind to turn on so that I'm up all night thinking about something. Yeah. That's very important. Yeah. Keep the stimulation low, a real dark room, get really restorative sleep. And in the morning, get sunshine, right? Get it early. So, so use light and dark strategically. Yeah. 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 And, and if people, you know, learning to have a, again, a mindful practice, meditation practice, like something where they know, you know how to ground yourself so that if you do start to escalate, you can bring yourself down, but generally you're going to have to be working with someone to guide you through this. So I have with my patients who my bipolar patients, I have a, uh, a three day rule. So, and sometimes it's a two day depending, right? One to three day rule. So one to three days where you're not sleeping, or have little sleep, or one to three days where you're not getting out of bed, then you need to, you know, you have to call me. Yeah. That's a good and one. it's hard, right? Because not everybody, especially when you're moving into a depression, the last thing you want to do is reach out for help. Yeah. Super. But, that's a great rule. Yeah. So um, we only have a few more minutes. I wanted to, um, I wanted to ask you real quick, how can loved ones be supportive? So, because I think there's a lot of confusion about the condition so first off obviously listen to the show but you know any any advice for loved ones Mm -hmm. it's it can be hard for loved ones there's a book by julie fast and julie fast is another resource for uh, she also has bipolar disorder Uh, her book is how to love someone with bipolar disorder great and that's another resource i find the only sort of thing with julie that i'm where we might not totally agree is she's very much like you have to take medication for the rest of your life. And that's the only answer for you. Like she doesn't, I don't anyway, so I won't go off on that tangent. So, um, but in terms of what you can do, it, it really, it, it really comes down to making a contract or making some, having some conversations when they're well about what to do when they're not well. So, and asking Mm -hmm. them what they can do, like as, as the, the patient, to to ask their loved one what they like to instruct them here's what i need you to do when i'm for example moving into a depression so i'll need you to encourage me to get out of bed and take me for a walk mm-hmm. or i need to you to just just to show up like to just bring me a sandwich and and put it by my bed whether i'm going to eat it or not like that's you know don't take it personally and that's another big thing is is the loved ones really have to learn not to take things personally because our withdrawing and retreating into ourselves is it's not personal against you yeah and that's that's hard um there's a story i I read about a woman whose son was depressed and they're really struggling and didn't you know again she didn't she didn't know how to support him and that that that's where i brought that sandwich analogy up so she that's what she did she made him a sandwich every day and put it by his bed and some days he ate it, some days he didn't. And he was depressed for a couple of months. And then eventually he, I guess things shifted for him. I'm not sure how, but he became better. And one of the things he, um, he said after was that helped him keep going and not commit suicide was his mom bringing that sandwich. Wow. Just so knowing that, that, that there's yeah. love there. There's yeah. love. So that, love, love, love through the sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So you, you don't have to do a lot, but you, you just have to, and you know what else you have to just keep showing up. Right. So my friends with me, uh, and I've been through lots of depressive times, lots of depressive times, and they just keep showing up. Yeah. Whether I'm there or not, 
you know, like there's one article on my, my blog, I think it's in the book too, where I talk about my two friends and I, it's in the blog is called friends are good for the soul. And one of my friends, you know, she would just walk with me and I, and I, I wouldn't say anything. I mean, I could barely walk. She would take my hand and she would just, we would just be silent and it, now I'm getting emotional, (laughs) but it was just so, so touching, right. That she would, like, I didn't have to be anything for her. And I think that's what you, you know, you, you have to. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember so, that. I remember that feeling when I was in a real um, fragile state, all I wanted was a friend to come over and just sit with me. Yeah. I didn't want yeah. them to talk. I didn't want, I just didn't want interaction. I just wanted someone just to be there. So yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Let's, let's go into some of your myths. Um, I love the myth busting chapter. I think it's chapter 21. Yeah. So myth one, if you have a mental illness, you should not have children because it is genetic. Right. <laughs> let's bust that. Yeah. So I have a son. Same here. <laughs> so actually, uh, so all these myths in that chapter were things that were said to me yeah. by doctors. So, um, yeah, I just feel, you know, that, that, that was really disheartening to hear as a young woman when I was in my twenties. And, um, I just feel that it's not, a this is not a bad thing. So if it is genetic, then you know what, you have the benefit of, of the understanding of the illness and the signs to look for. So I don't know if my son has bipolar disorder. Um, but I firmly believe in the epigenetic piece of the puzzle. And I also really believe that the emotional environment that he was in when I, when he was in utero was exceptionally different than the one that I was in when I was in utero. So I really don't feel that he is going to have this condition, but we know we'll have, well, I'll have to come back on the show in 10 years and let you know. If yeah, he has or not. exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so if you've been diagnosed recently and you've been told that, uh, you know, I really just want to encourage you that you can get your health under control and, 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 you know, look at, you know, both of us have had psychotic events postpartum. So this is a very fragile period. Yeah. So I would, if I was to have a second child, I'm not going to, cause I'm heading into menopause now, but I <laughs> am, I am, um, if I, if I did, I would do things very differently. Yeah, in the for sure. Period. So, you know, I didn't do them at that time and that's, that's, that's okay. It is what it is. You also share a myth. Someone told you that there's no cure for bipolar disorder. I feel like we, we touched on yeah, that. That's what we touched show. on. Yeah. 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 So I think, ah, gosh, again, I'll have to come back in 10 years and we can see how I've done in the last 10 years. Right. You said that mental illness uh, another myth, mental health illness only affects a small number of very unstable people. Can you bust that one? <laughs> yeah. So you know what? I actually feel like if we were to look at mental illness, there's, it's not a small number of people that suffer. It's actually a lot of people. There's a yeah. lot of people that suffer. And I'm taking um, Gabor Mate. Do you know Dr. Gabor Mate? Have you no. heard of him? Oh, he's, he really talks about how all of these conditions are really, they don't explain anything. They're really just uh, people's compensatory mechanisms for stress that they've had to go through. Wow. Um, So I really, that's why I also feel like my son's not going to have bipolar disorder because his environment that he's grown up with is very different than the one that, that I grew up in. Mm. And so I just want people to understand that 
whatever label you've been given, we have to look at what's, what's underlying that. What were your individual circumstances? What were the, the tr- because the traumas that we go through are going to affect us. And it comes down to more, what have you experienced in this lifetime versus what's wrong with you? Right, exactly. Shifting that dynamic. I'm probably not busting the myth. Um, no, but it's shifting just the way of looking at this very firm statement that's, that's made. So I think that's what we're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. So that was amazing. And I, you know, I feel like maybe at some point we'll have to do a part two just to maybe talk more about this and also bring in other mental health issues. But I'm really glad we were able to get super thorough on bipolar disorder. Um, And I, you know, I'm even thinking of patients myself who are dealing with this. And I'm so excited to share this episode with them. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. And thank you for being so courageous and vulnerable and authentic and sharing your personal experience. Because you could have been real real general with things with your book. You could have just shared, I'm an expert on this and this, you know, because I've treated patients, but no, you really opened up, brought people into your personal life, which is hard to do as a doctor because you're afraid people aren't going to, you know, see you as a stable doctor. People are going to think that, you know, they need to see someone who's more whatever, right? It's just, it's, it's amazing that you were courageous to share that. And um, so thank you for doing that. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. I just want to say one thing really quick that I just want people to understand again, that really looking at your thoughts is a really important part of this. So I talk about it in the book and we didn't really, we didn't get too far into it, but I just want people to understand that if you're having negative thoughts right now, if you're feeling, if you're having suicidal ideations, just recognize that that's just a red flag that in this moment, when that thought comes to you, you're not loving yourself. And if you can move to, to love and compassion and grace for yourself, that will help guide you home. Yeah. And that's, that's really what's needed. So I, yeah, I would love to come back because there's, there's just so much more we just yeah. you know, and, to talk and about. You, so we'll do that. Yeah. And if you listening have had people say really unkind things to you or things that would make you question your love for yourself just know it's coming from oftentimes it's an ignorant place it's just a lack of education they just don't know they don't understand and so mm-hmm. hopefully you know putting that into context um and yeah coming from that love is is what you can start to shift into dr chris thank you again where can people follow you uh so i'm on instagram or dr chris bjorndahl and i'm on facebook dr christina bjorndahl my website is dr christina bjorndahl.com wonderful um, yeah so and the book is beyond the label everybody yes. get it and thanks again so much for being with us okay lots of love to you lots bye I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dr. Low Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. And for more after the show, you can head over to drlowshow.com where you can find the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share with all your friends. And please head over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review and leave a comment. I read each and every one and they warm my heart. Thank you so much again for joining us. I promise to keep bringing you fun, inspiring, empowering content. Until next time, lots of love and I'll talk to you soon.